One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? I hope you're well. Thank you for being here as always. Thank you for tuning in, for subscribing, for listening, for all your feedback, comments, tweets, Facebook messages, Discord messages, emails, um, telegrams, things written on, on vellum with a quill. Thank you uh, for all your feedback. We really, really do appreciate it very much indeed. Hope you're well. I've been having a uh, carb-free week. Is it to get rid of the excess Christmas pounds? If I speak, I am in big trouble. But all I will say is that carbs are really delicious. Carbohydrates in their many forms are, are I miss them. I miss them a lot. I mean, vegetables are nice and eggs are nice and fruit, I guess, is nice. And, you know, some chicken and fish and meat. It's nice. It's nice. Sure. But where are the chips? Where's the bread? Where's the pasta? Where's the the beer? Where's the breakfast cereal? No Frosties or even cornflakes or... Ricicles. Well, you can't have ricicles because they stopped making them, which is basically a crime against humanity. But am I feeling good? Am I feeling better? Am I feeling slimmer? I don't know. I don't know. I have to have to see what the end of the week brings. And I know there's probably a load of like diet dietologists and nutrimongers out there who have got all this expertise who are saying this is not a sustainable way to do it. I know. But when it comes down to it, the whole like weight loss thing comes down to just eating less and exercising more. Join the Arsblog weight loss program. It's called Ars Shed. Shed Ars. I don't know. For just $29.99 a month, we'll send you delicious recipes that you can pyramid scheme, pyramid scheme, pyramid scheme. We got a show for you today. Ars will appear to be uh, on the brink of signing someone in the transfer market. It's a left-back, a guy from PSG by the name of Levin Kurzawa. It's a strange kind of a signing. Uh, There's a lot to unpack in it, so we're going to do that a little bit later on in the show. We're going to look at why we might be interested from a footballing point of view and why this particular player should we be worried We do have a problem at left-back because Tierney is out and Kolasinac is also out and playing through injury. But this guy, is he the right man for the right reasons? We will explore that a little bit later on in the show. But now, I'm delighted to welcome to the Arscast. It's been a while since we've spoken to her, and it is the first time we have spoken to her since Mikel Arteta took over. 
From The Athletic, it's Amy Lawrence. Hi, Amy. Hey, Andrew. Good to speak to you. And you. How are you feeling, generally speaking? Um, I know we've all, uh, we all had some difficult times, um, you know, towards the latter stages of the Unai Emery era. Things weren't great. Just, you know, a, a general feeling on, on how things have been going in the few weeks that Mikel Arteta has been in charge. I suppose the, the general feeling is of, of like... I don't know, coming out of prison or something or, um, <laughs> you, you know, being stuck in a dark place and suddenly the sunshine comes streaming in or, or I don't know, you've had all stress knots in your shoulders and you go for a massage and you come out and feel, ah, that sense of relief. Okay, I may be slightly over-exaggerating, but there's definitely a lightness um, overall just because I think things had got so bleak towards the latter stages of of the Unai Emery time. And, it, it, you know, I think that we spoke before and just that sense of how much longer can this go on because it felt so damaging to mm. the club. It felt like with every passing week and every passing bad result that the kind of problems were getting so much deeper that actually digging a way out of them was by definition going to take that much longer. So from that point of view, um, you know, trying to... Uh, encapsulate the shift that is in a relatively small space of time. I mean, I don't know, what are we talking? Three, four weeks? Mm. Um, a handful of games under Mikel Arteta. My overall feeling, even though results haven't been perfect the whole way through, is that I'm actually quite astonished that almost any manager, let alone someone who'd never actually taken charge of a, of a team by himself before, could have engineered um, as much sort of positive reaction as has happened. Uh, I almost can't compliment him enough for that because it did feel like, and I think still is, the same feeling that the scale of the job remains quite massive. Mm. Most people are, are, you know, are not under any illusions on that front. But, you know, to, to to make all of those players, and I mean all of them, feel so much better about themselves because if you analyse the squad and you look at them individually I I don't think there's a single player that doesn't look happier Um, and and better just gauge the mood amongst the fan base amongst people who work at the club just the whole feel is it seems like there's something positive to cling to it's like Arsenal have been you know we're floundering in the waves and in a storm and somebody's thrown them a life belt and that's Mikel Arteta. Mm. And for one guy who's still in his 30s uh, uh, and hasn't been a manager for very long to have achieved that alone is fairly amazing. I know. I mean, some people with a more cynical outlook would say, look, Arsenal have beaten Man United, they've beaten Leeds, but they drew against Bournemouth, they drew against uh, Crystal Palace at the weekend, they lost to Chelsea. So, you know, it hasn't been brilliant but you know my argument on that is I I think there are just signs of progress there are things that you can look at in all of those games and say well that's good that's something we can build on it's something we can learn from you know uh, I I think the improvement certainly from a defensive
progressive point of view, which I think for me is is the most interesting aspect of this, because I guess people would have uh, seen Arteta as a you know possession based coach and attacking coach. He's worked with Pep. We know how you know Pep likes to attack and how his team, his philosophy is based on having the ball in the opposition half, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know Arteta's come in and, like you say, turned a, a sort of motley crew of of midfielders and defenders, some of whom look to be kind of out the door, or if not out the door, you wouldn't mind giving them a good kick out the door, um, you know, before this, you know, to have to have sort of brought about that kind of a change. I think for me, that's the most impressive part, regardless of, of results. And I'm not saying results aren't important, but but I think we can, we can read into uh, the performances and take really positive things from them. Yeah, and I think that the expectation levels have to be factored in. And you can only really assess those results um, on the basis of the situation that he walked into. Uh, and walking into a club um, at Christmas time where there's so many problems and the league position is already so serious that, let's be honest, a, a, you know, a, a top, a, you know, the kind of turnaround, the kind of magic um you know, sort of stroke of the wand where everything that was bad is suddenly phenomenal. (laughs) You know, we have to be realistic here. And he has only got certain tools to work with. And while most people would accept that that Arsenal squad needed to be doing a lot better than it was doing, um, it's also not a squad that is yet ready to be uh, up there pushing, especially after the, you know, such a bad start, there's so much ground to be made up. Um, the beginning of the season, I definitely remember thinking, looking at the squad and you're thinking of Tierney and Bellerin coming back and holding and it was just signed Pepe. There was a lot of room for optimism. Let's not forget that. No. You know, but unfortunately, Mikel Arteta is, you know, has not come into a situation where, where uh, uh, that, that Arsenal went at the beginning of the season. The, you know, the, 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 this, the, uh, the players and everything about the, the the feelings that they had about how they were playing had 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 a lot of hits and had a lot of damage. Mm. So, you know, it's it's a great thing, and I'm fascinated to know what what the club and him and the players really think is achievable this season. Um, I was yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you that. I mean, what do you think would constitute? A good season for Arsenal is it? Is it some kind of tangible success in a cup competition? Is it you know getting ourselves back into the Europa League? Um, you know, when you consider the ambition at the start of the season would have been to get back into the Champions League. You know, we we have had to reassess where we are and what what we're capable of. Or is it simply a case that whatever happens this season, we use it as a kind of a learning tool? A you know about the players that we have at the club at the moment and where the gaps are that need to be filled during the summer so regardless of you know what happens in uh in these next you know five months whatever it might be that if we learn enough from it and as a club and i know this is maybe you know being a bit optimistic and we'll talk about some of the people above Mikel arteta in a minute um you know is it about preparing ourselves for the first significant part of the rebuild which has to happen in the summer I think it should be, Andrew. Um, it, it would be really lovely to be able to sit here and, and say, yeah, there's no reason why this team can't win the FA Cup or can't win the Europa League and can't get back in the Champions League. And who knows, maybe if things click, they'll go on a great run and win every game and maybe even get into the top four because people are inconsistent, etc. Cetera, et cetera. 
I think it's a a time for a bit of circumspection and just letting this man who has talent, who has energy, um, who is understandable in what the, the things are that he's trying to achieve, let him do his work. It's time for the fans to just try and be supportive and back off a bit and and the media and everyone else uh, who who makes judgments and you know I think that that Arteta is got is such a competitive animal and he's got such high standards that I'm sure he looks at his team and thinks there's no reason why Arsenal shouldn't actually try their damnedest to win something this season and with a bit of luck might make it happen but there's two cup competitions and the chances are you're going to face some tough tests you know along that path um look hard enough and for for 45 minutes against Leeds let's be honest so mm. you know but but you have to just almost do that thing where you, you where you you hope for the best and 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 enjoy the moment for what it can give to you and i agree with you that the critical critical thing is um a really uh in-depth forensic examination of this squad and its capabilities it's almost like really this next few months should be a bit of a trial period for all concerned and it's entirely dependent on how much backing there is for Mikel Arteta to make the changes that he thinks are necessary to really press on but you know even when the squad is playing at their best and the team's playing at the best of their abilities and they're still not quite there's a lot of improvements but there hasn't been a, a, a a whole 90 minutes so far that's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, the Man United one is the closest because they had to show two different characteristics within that game, a dominant period and a kind of hanging on period and being resilient and Arsenal managed both really, really well in that game. But in terms of a full game of having a plan, being authoritative, um, doing a great job from start to finish uh, and looking seriously impressive... That's still to come. Um, but I feel for Arteta because he's got kind of a, a, like, a, a, you know, hands tied behind his back to an extent with, with injuries and obviously in the case of Aubameyang suspensions, players still trying to come back and find some form. You know, it's what he's doing is is really incredible given, uh, given the resources that he's working with mm. on a day-to-day basis so far. And each little bit of an improvement is important. But everybody can look at the squad and think... You know, in a dream scenario, you you'd be maybe looking at another player in a certain key position, um, and there might be some players who who might want to go. You have to factor that in as well. Mm. Uh, this is an interesting summer ahead, and uh, I'm really interested by how much the board and the ownership and the football executive committee um, take some. You know the strength of the guidance they take from Arteta, yes, versus Emery or versus the latter days of Arsene Wenger. You know how much of what is going on in terms of um, deals that get done to to improve uh, and upgrade the squad. How much of that is going to be coming from the football executive committee? How much of it is coming from Mikel Arteta? How much of it is going to come from? the level of backing that the Cronkies are, are yeah. you know, willing to give in terms of, you know, the, you know, be ambitious, be excited sort of messaging that, that came through last summer. Sure. I mean, um, look, they we, certainly should, they were, um, you know, mm. they, you can't fault what they did in terms of Pepe and backing the, uh, backing the, you know, the, the, the club to spend some money 
it's up to the club how they it's not really up to the Cronkies how they spent it but they certainly allowed them to to invest not just in Pepe but I mean I still think William Saliba who nobody talks about all being well is such an exciting thing to come into the club next summer yeah. and that could go down as an absolute masterstroke that the, that the Cronkies backed the club to get over the line last summer when they obviously, you know, there was a certain amount of finite money that was available to spend and some of it got used there. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the appointment of Arteta has, you know, we're all in this kind of honeymoon period where we're, you know, we're looking at what he does and we're enthused and we're excited and the potential we can all see is there and, and the hope and the expectation. That they, it's sort of like a new signing, isn't it, in a way? When you, when you bring in a, <laughs> like new, a signing. new signing. He oh, is kind of, he is brilliant. kind of, because, you know, you, you, you sign a player and regardless of, of everything else, uh, maybe it's just me, but, you know, I always kind of think the best of, well, most signings. There are some that we've made over the last few years where I go, okay, right, maybe not. But, you know, in general, a, a new player comes in and you 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 sort of set the you set the bar really high for what it is they can achieve. And we're sort of there with Mikel Arteta and we're thinking, look, there's there's a lot that he can do. But it has in many ways um taken the spotlight off the football executive committee. It's taken the spotlight off Raul Sanyehi, for example, who as the head of football has presided over Arsenal's worst period of form um, for a very long time. Uh, you know, we we ended up uh, in a situation with uh, Unai Emery that was just untenable. It was untenable before he was uh, relieved of his job, um, you know, despite the fact that, you know, on high they appeared to back him for, for longer. Maybe that was just public posturing or whatever. But, you know, there's no escaping the fact that that, you know, as head of football, if you look at the football performance under Raul Sanyehi's auspices, they haven't been great. So, you know, it it has given him a bit of time maybe to uh, stop and think and reflect or maybe other people to stop and think and reflect about the work that he's been doing there. Um, you know, you've pointed to, to something like William Saliba, which is, you know, if it works out, will go down as uh, a very... A uh, very positive deal. The fact that we were willing to wait uh, and get him in in a year's time, we were that convinced about about his potential. But um, you know, do you see questions being asked of people in those higher positions from from now on? Because if Arteta is setting standards uh, which are as high as you know you you say they are, and I think he is a very demanding guy, you know, the owners ultimately are going to have to look at that as well, aren't they? Yeah, but we, we can only really guess about the strength of the relationship between the Cronkies and the Football Executive Committee because we've never had the privilege of sort of seeing them uh, together all that much. You know, there's, you know, in the past been the odd cup final where, you know, Ivan Gazidis and, and, and Stan Cronkie will be sitting in the Royal Box or what have you next to each other. And that's mm. about as much insight or or in the when they used to do the AGMs kind of sitting together on that plinth awkwardly um during the sort of uh, excruciating sort of hour or so spent doing doing those latter day AGMs but we're not privy to know how much respect how much communication i remember them ages ago when when Raul and Vinay first sort of got promoted to to take over from uh, the departing Ivan Gazidis uh, told us the rather nice line about how they had a WhatsApp group. And, you know, <laughs> you had this great um, image of 
there being sort of games going on and 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 Raul or Orvin I texting uh, uh, Stan or, or Josh or vice versa from from the US you know oh, you can only imagine they you yeah. know, kind of variation of the sort of WhatsApp messages that go around on <laughs> umpteen million <laughs> Arsenal groups across the the, the planet but I, I, I mean it, it's really <laughs> that that acid question is is how much pressure does you know Raúl or, or, or members of the football executive have about their performance from their seniors? And in the same way that people used to say at the tail end of um, the Wenger era when things weren't going so well, where's the pressure on Wenger coming from, or where's the pressure on Ivan Gazidis coming mm. from? Is it coming from their seniors? You know, essentially their line managers uh, in the organisation and. The, inf- in the feeling was that it really wasn't, that the Cronkies were very willing to trust those men to do their job in, in the football sense at Arsenal. Um, and, that, and, and that you always had this feeling that the Cronkies were sort of backseat uh, in this, you know, in this ride that, that everybody was on. And it was being controlled by what was Van Gogh and Gazidis and then, you know, obviously evolved. You'd like to think that anybody in a in a business as massive as Arsenal that turns over the money that it turns over um, has the international scrutiny that it does across the world. You know, the the person in Raúl's job, or Vinay's job, or Edu's job, or the people making the critical football decisions, that needs to be assessed. That needs to be appraised. Sure. And. The the biggest alarm bell I felt recently was um, when it came out that uh, uh, that Raúl wanted to give uh, Unai Emery a contract, a three year contract extension in autumn of this year. And mm. um, that that just felt to me like that clanged because the performance didn't seem to justify it or or warrant it. So you're thinking, what is, you know, what's going on there? You know, um, so certainly there is a sense that the that that kind of high point for Raúl when everybody was uh, idolising him almost with the the Don Raúl uh, nickname and so on, when he'd had some some great, you know, exciting transfer windows, you know, that dissipated quickly, and it just goes to show that in football there's like this domino effect of it all stems from results. If the results are good and the players are doing well, mm. then there's there's not pressure on the manager. If if the once the, the, those results start to fall and the pressure's on the players, then the pressure's on the manager. And then if that, if it continues, then the pressure goes to the next level, which is the people who appoint or would be responsible for hiring and firing of said manager. Sure. In this case, Raúl. And then uh, and then the next step of pressure loads further further on to the to the owners or to the ownership. So. If things are going well, there's no questions of the Cronkies. There's no questions of uh, Raul Sanyehi. There's no questions of, uh, at the moment, Arteta. You know, it, that's how football is. So, to, me, to many ways, I suspect that the best thing that happens with the current state of affairs is that all, a lot of all that heat that had been beginning to be directed at more senior levels has has uh, gone quiet or quieter. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, look, if I'm looking at it from a positive point of view, you know, Edu wasn't really involved in the summer transfer window to a great extent because he only arrived 
late in the summer. And, you know, Sanyehi, as you know, we've spoken about before, is a, a deal guy. He's the guy who, you know, uh, schmoozes and dots the I's and, and crosses the T's and all that kind of stuff. He can get people in the room. You know, he's got a contacts list and all that kind of stuff. And maybe... Arsenal needed that. Yeah, no, sure. I agree. I agree. But what they also needed was, you know, football expertise. And they needed people who knew football on the board. And I'm not necessarily sure that that's been the case over the last number of years. Some people perhaps who thought they knew a bit more about football than they actually did before they fucked off to AC Milan. But that's neither here nor there. Um, You know, maybe if we're looking at it from a positive point of view, the influence of Edu and the fact that Edu is probably going to have a very close working relationship with Mikel Arteta. Like, I, I can't believe that when Mikel Arteta interviewed for the job or set out the um, the things that he wanted to do, the idea that, that Raul Sanyehi, for example, could foist a player on him, I, I don't think that that would work. I think Arteta is going to want to have a much more significant input into recruitment, um, both in terms of the type of player that we get and also the individual players that we get working in tandem with Edu. So that might well be a positive thing in that regard. Looking at Arteta's um, pronouncements, body language, motivation, commitment, uh, demands so far, um, I think augurs really, really well on that front. And while ordinarily, I think it's probably just about right that you don't, there's a danger in listening too much to your head coach when you're doing your recruitment. And I think you have to factor in the fact that Arsenal's recruitment uh, policy uh, involves a whole mixture of things. It's obviously the kind of yeah, the the insider knowledge of, of 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 getting the deals over the line. You've got the backup of the whole scouting network. You've got the backup of the data analysts who you know can weigh in quite heavily in uh, uh, in terms of an, analyzing uh, options for a specific position. Um, but I suspect Arteta will be. I, I just think the kind of guy he is, he won't have taken this job without having some sort of real confidence that he's going to be able to make Arsenal competitive. Mm. Unless he believes that the players Arsenal currently have can do that with coaching alone. Um, and I guess most of us would accept there are some limitations there. And I would be mad that he doesn't think that too. So let's work on the assumption he probably also sees some of those limitations. Um, it just makes logical sense that he has needed assurances, albeit it's his first job, and maybe he had to make some compromises and won't get quite as many assurances as as you'd imagine because you can't always have perfection and it's mm. your first job. Um but I'd like to think that he's going to have a certain amount of clout in terms of probably setting out in an extremely clear way to the club the areas that he feels need the most attention. Um, and then let's just see what kind of uh, what kind of action comes out of it. Are you expecting anything significant to happen in January? He's playing his cards very, very close to his chest. Um, you know, I think we all understand that the January window is a, is a difficult one. It's not the ideal time to do business, but obviously there are there are issues. And I think when you're a new coach and you go to a new club and you're, you're just going into a transfer window, it would be surprising to me if you weren't given some 
backing by the club, um, you know, for at least one or two players who might make a difference, even if it's only on a short-term basis between now and the end of the season, because there are still some things to play for. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think history shows that, um, it, you know, it's unlikely that January is going to be the time where there's some something major happens, unless... Arsenal can stumble upon some kind of mega deal that they weren't quite expecting and can be persuaded that it's worth, you know, worth paying that premium that you probably have to to pay in January to sort out deals. But I mean, it's hard to imagine they're going to do much beyond getting in the odd loan. Um, The question is whether they whether they find players that they really feel are going to be able to walk into the team straight away and add something because uh, I think uh, the scars of last January's sort of absolute fiasco yeah. with Denis Suarez just show you, I mean, that was, you know, that deal ended up being sort of five or six million quid just thrown down the toilet. Mm, but I mean, does that not and then I, inform what you, you do in January? That might go towards something in the summer. And I think yeah. you have to feel that somebody who comes in in January on a short, short-term loan is, loan is going to be ready to help you out and I think that that's a, not just the the physical or, or, or tactical characteristics of any player but the psychological characteristics of a player they've got to yeah. be, able, be strong enough to walk in walk into the side walk into the Premier League and handle it mm. well, maybe you don't so, want to risk yeah. you know there was always a bit of a risk I think that a guy like Den- Denis Suarez who is a um, you know not known for necessarily being the most robust uh, or influential player that he might sort of struggle to adapt quite apart from any injury situation or whatever. I, I, th- I got the impression that he he wasn't even sort of that happy really while mm-hmm. he was, you know, uh, around the club. Um, it, you know, did he really want to come and get stuck in in his six months? I, I don't know. It's Or did he think, well, I'll give it a try. I know Emery and, you know, I'm was at Barcelona and it's just a short time anyway you know you've got to probably make sure that that those uh, mental elements are, are are right for a player to be able to have instant impact otherwise what's the point of getting someone in on loan yeah I guess that's true I suppose the other thing that you might say is that you know if uh, you know, we're an injury to injury or two away from uh, some very difficult uh, moments for Arteta, particularly defensively, because mm-hmm. you know uh, we don't have a left back for the 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 upcoming game against uh, Sheffield United at the weekend because Kalasinac has got a thigh strain and Tierney, as we know, is out. So that's a defensive problem. Um, Socrates and Louise are, are good together at this moment in time and have obviously improved, but you know beyond that, we've got Rob Holding, who's who's um, finding it difficult to make his way back from a cruciate injury and that's no criticism of him it's just a, a fact um, beyond that we have Mustafi who you know nobody particularly wants to see back in the team um, he's going to be at left back are you kidding me <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Mustafi at left back on. well I mean look it might be a case that we have we to play just, well eh? look Maitland-Niles at left back Mustafi at right back on, on Saturday who knows I mean who you knows? know we're stretched so what I mean is that you know you do have to weigh up the, the the ability of a player to come in and do a job and be ready but you also have to look at the depth and and maybe give yourself a little bit of assurance and if it costs you a couple of million quid just to have it there it's probably better than not having it 
Yeah, but again, you know, that couple of million quid, you've got to be able to put that person in the team. If you think you can get someone for a couple of million yeah. quid that you can put in the team on Saturday, then great. Then they should have signed them already. Why haven't they? Mm, well, maybe there's a reason. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. There's probably a number of reasons. But, um, you know, this is Arsenal in a transfer window in January. Um, we can all maybe put two and two together. Just final question, Amy. Um, there is the very outside chance that Arsenal could play Champions League football next season. The Europa League is a difficult competition, as we know. Um, does the fact that maybe the Premier League, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter because I think Arteta is the kind of guy for whom every game matters and every game is important and, and everything else. Um, but the fact that maybe at best we could finish sixth, something like that, um, would that allow him if we did make some progress and we get to the quarterfinal and you, you start looking ahead to prioritise uh, a little bit in terms of in terms of that competition because the reward isn't simply a trophy. The reward is financial uh, and it's uh, prestige as well. And it's Arsenal getting back into a competition they they really desperately want to be in. So, I mean, do you think there might come a point in the season where he starts to think about? about that in a very serious way? It might already be. Mm. I mean, this the Europa League, you know, considering our, our Arsenal's relationship with it as a sort of, you know, they've clearly never given the impression that they love it or that they, they've always given the impression, I think, that they feel that they are above it somehow. Mm. But the fact is, uh, you know, certainly this season and to an extent last season, increasingly so, in fact, over the years, of recently, Arsenal are a Europa League team. You know uh, that's that's how it's been. Um, and the you know the, the last two seasons there were pretty close run things with the Europa League, and I I don't mind admitting I felt for absolutely desperate for Arsenal to win it. I was really really up for it two years ago. I think it would have been um, just the loveliest way for Arsene Wenger to go out. Yeah. Uh, after his long spell at the club and it never happened and then last season obviously the rewards were so massive um, the local pride issue was very painful but more than anything else I think it hurt just because it was so important to Arsenal and the fact that Chelsea already had fourth place sewn up and Arsenal needed it so desperately and it went the way it went was was a, a, a harrowing blow um, but but it, but the, nobody was disguising how important that that final was, particularly once uh, Arsenal started to get the wobbles towards the end of the season in the Premier League. Mm. Um, and I think this season it feels like it's almost one level up uh, again of importance. But the Europa League, as a competition, it, it, you know, certainly from the perspective of Arsenal, I always feel like you're so dependent on the quality of team who falls down from the Champions League. And I didn't think it was a coincidence that last season was the closest one and had to, you know Arsenal and Chelsea in the final because the calibre of team that dropped down was not that strong compared to some seasons. This season, obviously, with Ajax, for example, coming down, you know, they're an extremely good team. Uh, and, and that would be a really difficult contest where, where this Arsenal team with all of its foibles to come mm. up against uh, against uh, Ajax at the moment um, 
and in the same way that when Atle- once Atletico Madrid came down two years ago in the final Wenger season, you, you know, you feared all along, even though it was a you know great run from Arsenal getting towards that semi-final, but and it was relatively close in the end. But they were they were a, a class above um, in the current climate of football. So I think putting all all the eggs in one basket is a tricky one. But I mean, it's really the only basket Arsenal has. So why on earth not this season? I yeah. think I think it, it would be, um, you know, it would be a, a shame for people to anybody to feel sort of critical if Arteta does start to rotate and favour Europa League if Arsenal managed to get towards those sort of quarterfinal onward stages. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the other benefit of that might be to use uh, younger players in the Premier League and give them experience ahead of next season as well, which is, you know, obviously a key part of the way the squad is being built uh, at the moment as well. Well, look, it's all ahead of us. It's all very interesting and fascinating and exciting. And uh, thank you as ever for being here, Amy Lawrence. Uh, We'll chat to you soon. Absolute pleasure. Take care, Andrew. Thank you very much indeed to Amy. Great, as always, to talk to her. And you can find her on Twitter at AmyLawrence71, at AmyLawrence71, and writing things in The Athletic. If you're already an Athletic subscriber and you're looking for something else to subscribe to, why not become an Arsbog member on Patreon? It costs just €5 Euros a month. You get access to exclusive bonus content. You get ad-free podcasts, ad-free Arsblog apps, Discord uh, chat server. We do uh, YouTube live streams. We've got one of those coming up. We do other podcasts like uh, Waffle in which James and I talk about anything that isn't football uh, based on questions that you guys have. We do My Arse, the podcast in which we talk to an Arsenal fan about their life and times as a gooner. And a brand new episode of that has just dropped with BBC's Nick Bright. We talk about all kinds of things about his favourite five-a-side team or his dream five-a-side team, I should say. Uh, his favourite Arsenal players and goals. His first Arsenal game. What a dodgy game it was to be at too. Find out more by becoming an Arsblog member on Patreon. Oh yeah, you also get the Arsblog uh, book together, the story of Arsenal's unbeaten season. Free audiobook download as well, so you can stick that in your ears when you're doing whatever it is you do when you put things in your ears, like walking the dog or doing the dishes, whatever it might be. Five or a month, patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. Patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Okay, it appears as if Arsenal are on the verge of making their first signing of the January transfer window. Many people would have expected a central midfielder, perhaps even a central defender, but it looks as if we're going to sign a left-back from PSG called Levin Kurzawa. With me to discuss the transfer and all the bits and pieces that surround it from one football, it's Phil Costa. Hiya, Phil. Hi, Andrew. How's it going? Not bad, thanks. Let's talk about him. Uh, You know, let's just examine this uh, from a purely footballing point of view. There are some facets to this deal and this transfer, which I think merit quite a bit of discussion. But but just on face value, as a footballer, as a left-back, Arsenal obviously have a problem with Kieran Tierney, who's going to be out until March. Uh, Said Kolasinac has been playing through injury and has picked up a thigh strain, which may... Um, be more serious than we understand it if they've moved so quickly for a left back. Um, what's this guy like and what sort of a history has he got uh, in the game? I mean, when he first broke onto the scene at Monaco, he was this sort of attacking fullback who would be virtually in, in the opponent's third for, for most of the game. And that's mostly where his best football came uh, under Claudio Ranieri and um, Leonardo Jardim in particular. So, uh, as a, as a young player bursting onto the scene, he was he had this um, incredible reputation for you know getting to the byline as much as possible, and then slowly um, as times progressed, he's he, it's sort of as if his his game's changed. He's he's gone to more of a, a steady um, you know we'll do the defensive work, but we'll leave the the attacking work to everyone else, which is quite strange considering he's only what twenty seven still. So normally you'd expect that in a you know, maybe a veteran fullback um, mm. who hasn't got the legs to get up and down anymore, but his role has transformed completely. Um, but, I mean, as a player, he's it's difficult to assess the last two seasons because he's been completely in and out of the side under Thomas Tuchel. Um, and as mentioned previously, a lot of his, his best work came uh, before the move to PSG at Monaco. So, um, I mean, on the whole, he's he's flirted in and out of the France team, but... He's lost that position completely now, and the links were originally quite surprising. But as as you think about it, maybe he's he's becoming more of a sensible option. Okay, I mean one of the one of the things that might attract Arsenal to this deal is the fact that he is out of contract in the summer. Um, it might well be a very cost-effective way of filling a position that we have to fill. So is that something that you think might be part of why Arsenal are looking at this guy? I mean, it's not surprising. Um, even after we sort of spent the 80-odd million on Pepe or however it's going to be paid, um, we know that Arsenal are fundamentally strapped for money, um, especially after spending... What it's, it looks like it's going to be four seasons out of the Champions League now. So it's not surprising to see Arsenal take these cost-effective routes into the market, um, especially when there's quite a bit to be done mm. uh, on the squad, on quite a, an ageing squad in general. Um, in terms of whether he could sort of fit the role or not, I think he's been doing that exact same sort of backup role at PSG uh, behind... You know, it was Yuri uh, Bechic under Unai Emery and now it's sort of developed into Bernat under Thomas Tuchel. Mm. So, I mean, as I said before, it, it's not a, a signing that will massively excite fans or or draw fans into the ground, for example. But I think for a steady option with plenty of experience, both in Europe and domestically, it seems like a, a sort of sensible one to do. Yeah. Now, 
when we look at the deal and when we look at the fact that the player has um, recently changed his agent to Kia Jorbachian, who, as we know, is um, one of the super agents, I guess you would classify. Uh, there are a number of them in the game, but he is certainly one of them. Uh, we know that there are links between uh, Kia Jorbachian and Edu, who is the Arsenal technical director. Um, Jorbachian, I think, is is well known as well to Raul Senyehi, who is Arsenal's head of football, and he is apparently over there as we speak, um, you know, in advance talks for this guy there are people who might be concerned at the way that that kind of recruitment is uh, carried out that it was suggested the contacts book would be the way in which Arsenal find players rather than let's say uh, what people might consider a more modern way of doing it which is you know uh, scouting statistical analysis and and you know some of the stuff that we saw uh, from Sven Mislintat for example but 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 other clubs do it in a different way that you know this this might just um, set a few alarm bells ringing for people who have concerns about that in the first place that's completely understandable um I will say that the relationship between Jurabchian and Edu probably got the David Luiz deal done quicker than uh, it would have got done towards another club. Um, and judging by how quickly this this story has has sort of broken on uh, onto you know the Athletic and stuff, it seems like this has been done quite quickly as well. So maybe that could be a more positive side of things. But absolutely, I think the second you get into bed with these these super agents you always uh, run the risk of being held liable to them whereas you know you, we saw the other day with um with Tottenham and, and their signing of Jedson Fernandez from Benfica you know they were they were completely out of any speculation for for two weeks we saw a link to West Ham Manchester United and Chelsea and then as soon as George Mendes gets involved he goes to the club where Jose Mourinho is managing mm. you know it's um and even Mina Raiola uh, with the whole Pogba stuff and he's just been a disaster to deal with for Manchester United so thankfully for us uh, I think Jurabshin is quite low-key um, doesn't really mouth off a lot in the press which is nice um, but I think the the links to Edu and, and, and Raul Sanya he are definitely ones to keep an eye on for the future whereas for now I think that relationship is just sort of blossoming shall we say for Arsenal even if it isn't for the individuals involved um, I think a lot of deals could be done like this in the future um, yeah. I know we've been linked to that Brazilian midfielder as well uh, Bruno Guimaraes so that will be an interesting one to keep an eye on as well yeah I mean look we, we know that George Mendes was involved in the, the Pepe signing it was widely reported um, during the summer that Arsenal brought George Mendes on board to to help sanction that deal. So, you know, there are there are reasons I think to be a little bit concerned about how the the recruitment is is taking place. Some people might say, "Well, look, it's a really quick and easy way to get deals done. If you need a player, you call up this agent. He's got all these uh, available players or people that are available to him, and Bob's your uncle. You don't have to like spend ages and ages and ages uh, trying to get deals done, doing negotiations." and everything else but it is a little bit of a worry that at a time where the club is in this sort of flux isn't it from a, an executive point of view that super agents again to use that phrase are kind of getting their feet under the table in a, in a pretty substantial way yeah I mean there's no denying that this could be a problem moving forward um, it's when it gets to the stages of Valencia for example 
where George Mendes basically funneled players through there. Um, and it wasn't just the odd signing here and there. It was five or six every summer. Or, you know, when Chelsea signed Alexandra Pato for six months, who was clearly unfit and unbothered about football. Um, but, you know, and he was shafted off to Chelsea just so he could uh, move Oscar off to China, which mm. was Jarab Sheehan as well, coincidentally. So I think small transfers like Louise and, and Kozawa, while the links to Jarabshian will maybe concern fans uh, if you read beyond the transfers itself, that's perfectly reasonable. But I think if you actually look at the players, uh, how quickly we needed the deals done, the state of our squad, for now, I say that lightly, for now, it, it doesn't seem to be too big of an issue, although it should definitely be an afterthought. Yeah, I mean, look, it, does, it probably speaks to the way that recruitment was uh, or is being done. Like, perhaps there needs to be a more holistic review of the way recruitment takes place at Arsenal, that if, if we're in a position where we're having to, um, you know, do deals quickly, maybe it suggests that there's a lack of strategy, a lack of planning. I mean, if, if, uh, if you need a left back, um, that's understandable when Kieran Tierney, you know, dislocates his shoulder and is going to be out until March. But that took place, you know, whatever that was now, four, five, six weeks ago. You know that, say, Kolasinac is not uh, the most robust when it comes to injuries. You know, he, he he's had his spells on the sidelines as well. You know, that there's time to put something in place that doesn't necessarily have to go through uh, that kind of agent and, and that kind of uh, process. So, yeah, look, if it's a couple of small deals, I think it's something we can live with. If it becomes a bit more uh, widespread, then I think, you know, we're right to, to have some worries. Um, just in terms of uh, Kurzawa, he isn't somebody, I think, from doing a quick bit of reading around that PSG fans are going to miss. Uh, because you say, you know, his best football was played at, at Monaco. Uh, he doesn't seem to have done well at PSG. He's had a lot of injuries. Um, he's missed quite a lot of football um, from everything from calf strains, thigh strains, you know, hamstring injuries. Uh, he's had knee problems. Uh, he's had pubitis, God love him, uh, herniated discs. You know, he's missed a lot of football um, over the last little while. And one particular website I had a look at, um, which is PSG Talk, uh, rate him as one of the five worst signings that PSG have made in the last decade. Maybe a little harsh, and there, there could be an element of um, uh, personal bias in, in that regard. But uh, get French football news at GFFN, say Kurzawa is exceptionally uh, injury-prone, criminally unfit, and has not been playing regular football for the best part of the last four and a half years. So, you know, even with your most optimistic hat on you know it's reasonable to have some concerns about this one <laughs> yeah a ringing endorsement from uh, from those sources yeah look i think where we should stand on kazawa is is somewhere in the middle um look there's no denying that he's uh, incredibly injury prone and that's you know that information is available for everyone to see um especially in the last two and a half seasons i'd say under thomas tuckle He's, he hasn't just not been involved in the first team. It's been like out of match day squads entirely. Um, I know Tuchel is, is quite demanding and rigorous in his preparation, but, you know, especially when we're looking to sign cover for our injured left backs, plural, 
to, to, to single out someone who's had a long injury, you know, problem it is not ideal. So, um, I, just sorry to cut across you, uh, you know, but, uh, if Tuchel is demanding, so too is Mikel Arteta and, you know, the players, he's talked about it and the players have talked about how physically demanding the football Arteta wants them to play is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's difficult to see when they would have scouted him. Um, because as I said, he's only made six league and starts this season. I mean, he started on, on Wednesday night against, against Monaco in the four, one win. Um, but he, he generally hasn't, hasn't played a lot this year. So I know, uh, David Ornstein and, and James Nicholas said that Arsenal representatives were at the game. Um, but I mean, I'm not sure what they can really grasp from such a sm- uh, small sample size. Yeah. Um, look, there's no denying his, his injury problems and there's a, a sort of vibe uh, around him and his so- social media that he's not the most serious player, um, which probably won't go down well with a lot of Arsenal fans. He's He, he likes to be out and you know, in his designer gear and doing all these, you know, uh, rap sort of musicy videos. I mean, which is fine. I'm not too bothered about that sort of stuff personally, but it might bother some people. But again, even when he has played, his stats are relatively steady, uh, especially defensively. He's improved, uh, in my opinion, from what I've seen. Um, and his passing is is very sort of neat and tidy, which is what you'd want from someone in that position when, you know, when you see Serd Kolasinac struggling i mean he has improved a lot this year uh this season compared to last season but he's still very unreliable on the ball um so he's you know he's neat and tidy he he's not really a front-footed defender so he won't be giving away cheap fouls and free kicks but as i said the transfer won't excite people but it just seems uh generally to be a, a depth addition and i think what the transfer says to us is not about the player uh, that we want to have it's about the players that we do have um so you know Tierney's obviously out until March but maybe they they will sort of ease him in slowly um just to get him fully acclimatized to English football and there's obviously concerns about Kalazanach both on the injury front and with his ability so that might speak to an exit in the summer yeah or you know we might not know about a serious injury that they he's been playing uh with this time so and as well, it just moves Bukayo Saka away from from left back uh, as well, who's who's done a, a great job, uh, honestly. Um, so yeah, I think it's not going to be one who uh, he's not going to draw fans to the Emirates exactly, um, and he's not going to revolutionise the position for Arteta. But I think in the grand scheme of things, it's not a terrible deal. And I think we maybe need to to wait for some more information about Tierney and Kalasinac before we before we lose our shit, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, look, you know, he comes and he comes with a clean slate, as every player does. And, you know, we can only judge him on what he does in red and white if he signs. So that's, you know, fair enough. Um, and, you know, that's something that every new signing should be granted. It's worth exploring, you know, his form and his, uh, his injuries and maybe uh, the, the background to the signing. But you're right, I think it does speak to a... a departure in the summer because you don't keep three left backs in the squad no. um having paid 25 million pounds for Kieran Tierney in uh in the summer or last summer uh it it basically means that this is the end for say Kalasinac in the summer so it's 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 got that extra little bit as well because I don't think you know maybe it's the case that Kalasinac wants to leave mm-hmm. um 
but it certainly doesn't leave any room or much room for interpretation as to what's going to happen in the summer. No, I mean, that's my take. Uh, I think they've invested £25 million in Kieran Tierney. What we have seen from him this season has been encouraging. Um, but maybe having looked at Hector Bellerin and Rob Holding, they just want to ease him back, try not to rush him, um, let his body you know, fully acclimatise to what is an incredibly intense Premier League game nowadays. And uh, I think, especially with the wages that Kolasinac is on, they'll be... I mean, if, if they're going to move anyone on in the summer, it's going to be him. So um, I think maybe this deal is being done with a, a future decision in mind. Mm. All right. Well, look, uh, thank you very much indeed for the info. Really appreciate it. We'll wait and see what happens if he does become uh, indeed the first signing of this January window. Hopefully not the last. Phil Costa, thanks a million. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you very much indeed to Phil. He is on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa, at underscore Phil Costa. As yet, details about the Kurzawa deal are a little bit... Uh, vague. So maybe, you know, just thinking about it now, a loan deal might be best or might be well suited for all parties. It means Arsenal can get in a player without having to make a huge commitment right now. Um, the player himself gets six months of regular-ish football, which he doesn't appear to be getting at PSG. It gives him a chance to move in the summer on a Bosman, which every player would at least like the opportunity to because you get many more options. And of course, there's a financial benefit for that. And if Arsenal are thinking about bringing in a new left-back in the summer, maybe this six-month period with uh, a loan signing allows us to go out and scout and find a player who could perhaps understudy Kieran Tierney or be somebody who in a year's time or two years' time could really push Kieran Tierney, assuming that uh, Tierney is going to be our first choice left back next season once he's uh, fit and uh, ready to go. Uh, I know people have some concerns about that, but I do remember uh, Gail Clichy having an awful lot of injury problems as a young player in his early 20s and what have you, but, you know, he found fitness and stayed fit, so, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Kieran and Tierney could do exactly the same thing. But look, we'll wait and see what happens uh, with this uh, with this deal and whether it goes through. It looks very much like something is happening anyway. So, uh, yeah, time will tell. And time will tell what else this transfer window brings. It doesn't appear to be doing an awful lot at this moment in time. But as we've seen with this one, it just sort of uh, has come out of nowhere. So, you know, the same thing could happen for a central midfielder or a center half. Stop laughing. Stop, stop laughing, please. You never know. So Arsenal face Sheffield United on Saturday. A team who beat us earlier this season. A team who right now, as we speak, and as I desperately tried to bring up the Premier League table in front of me to make it sound like I had it here the whole time and I'm not just thinking about doing it right now, sit in sixth place on 32 points. Arsenal are in 10th place on 28 points. We are the underdogs. Mighty Sheffield United visit the Emirates, and they're a good team. And I thought it was really, really interesting what Mikel Arteta said at his press conference the other day. He talked about how good they were. He talked about how well-organized they were. He talked about, um, you know, the season that they've had, the way that they play, how effective they are. And he said, I have already warned the players. You remember after the um, Leeds game, the first half against Leeds in which we were played off the park by a high-pressing Leeds side and Arteta afterwards basically said, I fucking told them they were going to do this. I told them and they didn't listen. 
And obviously he gave them that halftime hairdryer. Uh, I think he's given them a bit of a pregame hairdryer or certainly a stern talking to to remind them that this is a team that, despite the fact they were only just promoted, we cannot take lightly, you know, just because we're at home, just because we're Arsenal. We have absolutely no right to think we can just turn up and beat this team because I think that's kind of what we did earlier in the season. And they showed us that that was a very, very poor way to prepare for a game against Sheffield United. We don't have Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, of course. He is suspended for three games. A big weight of goal-scoring responsibility falls on Alexander Lacazette, but not just him, not just him. Of course, he's the main striker now and the spotlight will be on him his form has been poor you know he he doesn't uh, seem able to find the conviction that's required in front of goal at this moment in time but we know that he can score goals and when he does score goals the vast majority of them come at the Emirates but there are other players in this team who could step up Nicolas Pepe you know he's now six seven months into his Arsenal career he should be settled He should start to repay some of that transfer fee. And I'm not saying that's on him, of course. But, you know, he's at a period of the season now where where we need him to be the record signing. And there's just no escaping that. Mesut Ozil hasn't scored a goal all season. It would be a good time for him to chip in with a goal. We've got Gabriel Martinelli, who we know can score goals, but is 18. You know, there, there, there aren't a lot of goals in this team, so it's incumbent on some of the senior players maybe to step up and to take that responsibility on. And if they do, then we give ourselves a chance. If not, um, Sheffield United are, are a difficult team to play against. They may not be the most potent uh, in front of goal, but... They certainly can cause you problems. They're well-organized defensively. And, you know, if you were chasing a game against them, I'm not sure that you could feel all that confident. So let's hope that we can put together a good performance. We do need a win. Um, We have had some positive things happen to us over the last number of weeks, some positive aspects to our performances and our football. But we need to start translating those into results. Results are what will really drive this team towards the end of the season, give them confidence. Uh, and hopefully allow them to play uh, better and better each week. Um, Which isn't to say, of course, that all our problems are solved or anything like that. But, you know, it is one game at a time territory. Uh, It's a very busy week as well because we've got Sheffield United on Saturday and then Chelsea on Tuesday. So there's a, you know, there's a lot going on, a lot going on this week. Uh, We've got to prepare ourselves for. So uh, join myself and James on Sunday for an Arscast Extra. We won't be doing it on Monday. We'll be doing it at some point on Sunday. So that will be available for you uh, on Sunday. But I suspect it'll probably be Sunday evening. So if you want to leave it, it should be there for you first thing Monday morning uh, for your commute to work or whatever it might be. We'll have that Arsecast Extra for you there. We'll talk about the Sheffield United game. We'll look ahead to the Chelsea game uh, and lots more besides, no doubt. As ever, thank you very much indeed for listening. We will leave it there. Catch you on the next one, folks. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. A day in the life of a completely fictional football executive. 
what a terrible day. Oh, things could not be any worse than they are today because this new coach, oh my God, he is so demanding. I don't have a left bag. I don't have a left bag. I need a left bag. Get me a left bag. Where am I supposed to get a left bag? I spent all the money in the summer on pep. I mean, a, a very high price winger of no particular name. Now I'm supposed to find a left bag from somewhere? They are not like rabbits you can pull out of a hat like a magician. And I'm not Paul Daniels, even though we are basically the same height. Oh, what am I going to do? Hey, wait a minute, I just thought of something. I make a phone call. Hello, hello agent friend of mine, how are you? Do you happen to have a left bag going spare by any chance? What's that? You just brought in a new left bag this week? And somehow he is available for transfer? Oh my God, you have saved my day. Thank you, my kind and philanthropic agent friend. Where would I be without you? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 